Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to our Zoom congregation. Welcome to our church congregation. And welcome to our leaders. We have so many leaders in our church today. I think it might have been simpler if the um, congregation sat up here and the leaders stay down there where they are. But I'll go through who they are. Lynn Thahi, welcome to leading our, our service. It's quite an unusual one and we're looking forward to it. Welcome to our Zoom host, Ted. Welcome to our pianist, Frank, who is back for the first time in after a, a year or two, I think. We're really looking forward to you taking part, and Lynn has chock-a-locked the service with music. Welcome to um, Tess, who is, I think, doing her first stint as the in-church camera person. Great. Welcome to, to Clay. Clay is, I, I haven't seen him yet, but uh, he is back in business and in, amongst other things, we're attending a, a meeting, a Zoom meeting of the worship leaders. So uh, quite a lot is, is going on and it's quite an exciting time. I thought I'd give you a surprise for our candle lighting words. It's about magic. Magic is when a baby drops a toy off its tray and it disappears. Magic is when a cat chases the shadow but can never catch it. Magic is when Galileo rolls a ball down a hill, does some maths and discovers gravity. And candles still look like magic after 5,000 years after they're invented. We now know how they work, but they are still our symbol of hope. Let's say the covenant together. Love is the doctrine of this church, the quest for truth is the sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve humankind in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony, thus to be covenant with each other So, I'm starting with a reading. Um, I looked for a poet who would express the words that I needed about masks and shadows, and um, they were either incredibly depressing or incredibly long. And so, um, I pulled something out of a workshop that we did. So, um, yeah, it's pretty unpolished, but it hopefully will do the trick. In the public masquerade, we move with masks just slightly frayed, our shadows locked within a box, secured and tied with chains and locks. A magic mirror we always use, flaws disappear, and we don't lose that image of persona bright. We keep the shadows for the night, of gothic horror, Hitchcock dark, and yet the mask is cracked and marred. I take my mask and throw it far, the truth unveiled exposed my scars. My naked soul is horrified, and yet made whole is satisfied. Both dark and light, let the truth burn bright. I stand on my mask, ask my shadow to dance. So, now I'm... Okay, so... Morena, everyone. Nice to see so many wonderful faces here. Um, 
As some of you know, I have a great love of art in all its forms. I've used art therapy for the last 14 years in hospice, volunteer work, and in school chaplaincy. Um, art has revealed itself to me to be a powerful psychological tool with unexpected benefits and provided a lot of insights over the period. Recently, I had a real aha moment. I was at a bereavement workshop. The lead therapist mentioned neurologist Antonio Damasio's somatic markers. It seems that we tag every single memory with an emotion. Damasio says, we are not thinking machines that feel, we are feeling machines that think. Quite a difference there. So every emotion is affecting our decisions. Combine this with the fact, oh, combine this with the fact that similar situations evoke similar emotions. So if you met a snake in the forest, you will feel like you are going to meet a snake every time you go into a similar forest. We are primed emotionally. The therapeutic way to change this negative tag is by reframing. So I had had just such an experience. It was a spiral painting. Actually, that one over there. I've brought it in so that the people here can see it. I was placing figures moving outwards when I started feeling quite anxious and even sick. Uh, something about those figures was really disturbing me. It took me a few days, but eventually I realized that the figures that are innocuous in themselves reminded me of people jumping from the 9-11 Twin Towers, falling into chaos. Not my intention. So how was I going to work through this? I intuitively started drawing figures spiraling backwards the other way, towards the center. And somehow the balance worked to calm my horror. So that was my somatic marker, and that was the reframe. Anyway, back at the workshop. Our last exercise was creating two-sided masks. These always remind me of the Roman god Janus, who had two faces. His domain is beginnings, ends, duality, transitions, time, and doorways. One mask slide is for the persona we present to the world. Okay, let's, that's, this is my one. Okay, That's my persona. Bit scary, okay. But don't worry, they're all symbols. The other side is our inner state, our feelings. The side of us we don't show to other people. So that's, that's my inner side. You can have a closer look later, those who are in the church. And there are photos up on the, the net. The group was weary when we started, but creating art works like a meditation. It often results in slower breathing patterns and a change in alpha and theta brain waves. On finishing, the same faces were visibly relaxed with a few chuckles as we gathered to look at the masks. Exterior masks, of course, were laden with flowers, houses, relationships, religious emblems, hearts broken and whole. There was a coffin and stick with a stick figure inside. Then there was this lizard with wonky eyes and patches of colour. And the artist piped up, oh, that's me, I'm a chameleon. So we thought that was quite funny. 
The inner masks had question marks, tears, tombstones, rain clouds and people bent or broken. A snake slithering out of a dental hygiene advert. There was a cartoon demon, pitchfork in hand. Another, a picture of monks painting the scream. So we moved into discussion. The artists using the scream and the demon said they were surprised how the figures personified their feelings. There was a William Morris vine that twisted amongst tiny figures. The artist said they represented her family members who were suffering from grief. Someone suggested pruning the vine back as a symbol of release. The snake protruding from her mouth related to the artist's tendency to snap at her family in recent months. Summing up, the therapy allowed us to recognise certain figures, so the demon and the scream, as emotions. We could label them as anger, fear, frustration, and we know that labelling emotions immediately lessens their impact. Metaphorical actions done to the painting also allow a reframe. So we can look for solutions in different ways to follow up with those people individually. Sometimes an image will resonate. A tombstone, tears. Some images are just straight catharsis. When emotions are raw, images move to the shadows of our subconscious. I often wonder how Picasso felt finishing his anti-war painting, Guernica. When he heard that the Republic stronghold Guernica had been bombed and children and women massacred, Picasso propelled himself into a rage-fueled explosion of creativity, resulting in the massive mural considered one of his greatest masterpieces. And he did it in less than 40 days. It's enormous. Guernica portrays terror, torture, and death. Flames, swords, stylized skulls, mayhem and the all-seeing eye. As he worked on this painting, he said, in Guernica and all my recent artworks, I clearly express my abhorrence of the military caste that has sunk Spain into an ocean of pain and death. It's a protest, it's a masterpiece, and it's a catharsis. I saw this once with a woman who'd been in a 10-year abusive relationship. She drew her husband as a great grizzly bear. Not just a teddy bear, but a grizzly bear. Two days later, she left him for good. She said later that she realized as she labeled him with the grizzly bear that she would never change his inner nature and she would never be safe. A grizzly bear is a grizzly bear is a grizzly bear. So an artist can open their own eyes and the eyes of others to profound truths. And in our own search for truth and meaning, art exhibitions can be strongly thought-provoking. As Banksy once said of his graffiti, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. I rather like that. But here is the irony. A disproportionate number of well-known artists struggle with mental wellness, addiction, Mood disorders and narcissism all abound. Go to any art class and you'll find overinflated egos. This became very clear to me as a 20-year-old and I attended some life classes at AUT. I found myself in a group who thought they were, the, were gifts to the whole wide world. 
bigger than Raphael, brighter than Renoir, stranger than Dali. Someone with a dark sense of humour once suggested, more out of touch than with reality than Van Gogh. Yeah, only he and I laughed about that one. However, the fantasy-driven cutthroat world of professional art is a perfect fit for self-promotion, manipulation and entitlement of narcissism. And because self-adulation has its own rewards, very few narcissists undergo therapy. So, many artists choose to ignore the teaching moments of their own creations. I sometimes meet a child who is only acknowledged for achievement. The perfect setup to develop narcissism. They usually come from dysfunctional homes with very rigid roles. The more dysfunctional the home, the more rigid the role. So a drawing might show a child with a crown, another holding a baby, while another child is pilloried for being naughty and another is just not there. So we see the prince, we see the surrogate mother, we see the scapegoat, and we see the nobody child. Ask what the scapegoat has done, and the answer will be, oh, he's just bad. It's incredibly difficult to change these ideas. One boy I worked with had been ejected from home. He wouldn't speak, but we got out the crayons. His outer mask had a scar on one cheek. It was raggedly stitched. There were cuts, bruises, an eye missing, serrated teeth. His inner mask was a tiny stick figure on an island surrounded by an angry sea. Frankly, my heart bled for him. We worked on this image until the authorities arrived. We gave the stick figure clothes, a boat to escape the island. We talked about who would help him on the boat. He mentioned an auntie. In this way, the artwork was actually a key to getting him help. He was under such obvious distress it couldn't be missed. Urgent intervention saw him safe and eventually living with his aunt, which was a far better situation. In art therapy, clients don't have to be good at art. Magazine cutouts, printouts, stencils, etc. They complement the normal art materials. <coughs> Excuse me. In fact, some therapists prefer to use crayons than normal pens because it means it gets rid of the preciseness of the image. And you have to work quickly in an art therapy exercise. Stick figures work perfectly. <coughs> Draw the situation in the way it feels. Metaphors are often the best, so a person with depression may draw themselves in a rainstorm. To help them reframe, the therapist will ask, how can we make you more comfortable? An umbrella? A raincoat? Grab the scissors, the spare paper and the glue. Can we find shelter? Is the clouds going to clear? If the person is going to, if the person draws themselves in a hole, we bring a ladder. With children, fantasy is an easy access, so dead grandparents quite often appear as angels, birds, or stars. We may ask, why has this person returned to you? Draw me a happy time with this person. A child may portray themselves as a fantasy figure, non-binary, or an alien. Borders are completely down. The imagination is free. In self-development work, symbols become much more important. They are also personal. The client themselves must interpret. 
However, some symbols are universal. Terminal patients often will draw a white dot on a black background, or a black dot on the white. The end. And then rainbows. Rainbows almost always mean hope. So my outer mask <coughs> has music clefts, plants, Celtic knots, words like universalist, coexist, tolerance, and I've got a Paleolithic Venus there for feminism. My inner mask has words like skeptic, hoarder, perhaps, um, impatience, a spiral for change, new life, and the dynamics of the universe. An amoeba with a number one. Yeah, okay, that one is odd. There's a small boy for my animist side. As for fitting in, I am never a round peg in a round hole, or even a square one. I'm definitely octagonal. I never fit. So reframing that, I am uncontainable. It's great to see the strengths in your own shadow. So what does this have to do with us as Unitarian Universalists? Well, as Unitarians, we are committed to a search for meaning and truth. This means self-awareness as well. This means exploring your shadow, your flaws and your darkness that you hide from yourself and from others. This is where art therapy, the human sciences, philosophies and the major religions all agree. If you don't believe me, here's a taste from the faiths. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Even better, the Gospel of Thomas, chapter 3, says, The kingdom is inside you and it is outside you. When you come to know yourselves, then you become known. But if you will not know yourself, you live in poverty, and it is you who are that poverty. The Tao Te Ching says in chapter 42, Ordinary men hate solitude, but the master makes use of it, embracing his aloneness, realizing he is one with the whole universe. Art therapy techniques are empowering tools. They're available to everyone, no matter your age, status, IQ, anything. Since the first hand was stamped on a cave wall, humankind has used art spiritually and as a symbolic healing gift. Leonardo, who better, my goodness, used art to explore engineering problems. Einstein was an artist too, as well as a theoretical physicist. He explored art problems artistically to engage both his intuition and his imagination. As he said, logic gets you from A to B. Imagination can get you anywhere. Next time you need enlightenment, Try drawing a metaphorical picture of the situation. Address the metaphor and a solution may appear. I, I personally use this technique a lot. I finish with this quote from Herman Hesse. He said, Within you is a stillness and a sanctuary to which you can retreat any time and be yourself. Art offers that safe place to rest, process and find yourself. Namaste. If the 
candle, snuff it in there, but oh, my fingers do. My fingers do the walk. It stays together the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth. The warmth of the community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts to be able to get us together. I finish with three quotes from Thomas Merton. Art enables us to find ourselves and lose ourselves at the same time. Leonardo da Vinci. A painter should begin every canvas with a wash of black because all things in nature are dark except we're exposed to the light. And again, Leonardo. I didn't write this one down, so now I'm going to check out. Hold on. A work of art is never finished. It is only abandoned. So wherever you are, we're at the right place. We move on. <laughs>